Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Um, uh, I think I have a message that will speak to us. And I'm going to read from Proverbs 23, verse 7. It's only one line. It's an easy one. And because it's a women conference, I'm going to actually change this Bible. I know. Because it says, as a man. So we're going to read, as a woman. All right? It says, as a woman thinks in her heart, so is she. As a woman thinks in her heart, so is she. Don't record it because I don't want someone to think that I'm preaching the wrong Bible. See, but what the Bible is saying is, it's saying that you are your thoughts, isn't it? That we are our thoughts. In other words, our thoughts, they can define us. They can make us who we are. You see, they can make us or they can break us. I mean, that's powerful. Anybody agrees here? See, often we tend to blame others for where we are at in life, not realizing that the reason we are there is because of our unhealthy thinking. Because of the way we have framed our lives in our heads. You know, friend, I want to tell you that your life is not your problem. Come on, somebody. You know, your boss is not your problem. You know, your colleagues, they're not your problem. Your neighbors, they're not your problem. Your bank is not your problem. Even your husband, he's not your problem. But the Bible says that your thought is your problem. As a woman thinks in her heart, so is she. And it's so easy to let our thoughts frame our identity. It's so easy to let them frame our personality, to frame us who we are. And often, you know, we will go and say things like, you know, I, I, I don't think I'm good enough. Anyone here relates? I don't think I'm good enough. Often we'll say things like, I don't think I'm pretty enough. Or I don't think I'm smart enough. Or I don't think I'm, you know, educated enough or popular enough. And we say things like, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think. But can I ask you a question this morning, girls? Can I ask you a question? Are you awake? All right, get ready for this. Listen to this. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? And I'm not asking in an offensive way, like maybe your mom will ask you, who do you think you are? You know, but who do you really think that you are? Do you think of yourself the same as God thinks of you? Who do you think you are? I'm going to preach a message this morning and you can call it, who do you think you are? Turn to the person next to you and say, who do you think you are? Ah, <laughs> so happening. See, I believe that God wants us to challenge our thinking. He wants to revive our thinking, to refresh our thinking. You know, the Bible says in Second Corinthians ten, chapter five, it says, "Casting down imaginations, we need to take every thought captive. Every single thought we need to take." captive. You see, freedom begins in our mind. You know, our biggest warfare 
is our mind. In other words, what scripture is saying is that no government, no pandemic, no restriction, you know, no, um, um, even like devil in hell can hold you back like you thought life can hold you back. We know that for us to step in God's plans and purposes for our lives, we need to take every single thought, what? Captive. Take it captive. But do you know, you know, that we actually think a lot of thoughts. That's scientifically proven. And right now, I wonder what you're thinking. I wonder what you were thinking today, this morning, last night. You know, in fact, scientists, they say that we think around 60 to 80,000 thoughts per day. Come on, somebody. That's a lot of thoughts. In fact, if you break this per hour, it says we think 35 to 48 thoughts per minute, actually. Per minute. 35 to 48 thoughts every single minute we're thinking so many thoughts. Some of you like shaking your heads and then like, nah, I'm not thinking that many thoughts. Yeah, the person next to me, she thinks a lot. You know, and the other one on the side, she's even worse. But I don't think that many thoughts, Katie. I don't even like thinking. Thinking is not my thing. I don't think at all, you know, thinking is not for me. Everybody else, they think, but not me. Well... The reason you're having a battle of your mind right now is because, hello, you are thinking a lot of thoughts right now. Anybody agrees? Yes. Reality check. You know, I, I'm actually in the shame because I'm, a, I'm one of those people that likes to think. I'm a thinker. In fact, I'm not just a thinker. I'm a, an overthinker. Any overthinkers that can relate, thank you very much, all the honest ladies. I'm an overthinker. In fact, I have come to the realization that I'm very gifted in this area. I don't just think or overthink, but hey, listen to this. I can think multiple thoughts at the same time. You know, I can multi-think people. Anybody else? I can multi-think. If there is such a word in English, I just made one. I know there is the multitasking. And my husband thinks that I can multi-talk. But you see, I can multi-think. In fact, you see, on the other hand, my husband's thoughts, they are empty. True story. They are empty. Often we'll go to be bed and um, we'll go to bed. I'm not going to go there. But, you know, as soon as his head hits the pillow, he falls asleep. I promise you, our marriage is not boring. But, you know, often when we go to bed and as soon as his head hits the pillow, he falls asleep. And here I am lying on the left side of the bed, my side. And what am I doing? I'm thinking. And I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking about what I did that day. You know, what I'm going to do the next day. What I'm going to do the day after that day, and the next week, and the next month, and the next year. And once I finish planning my life, I begin to plan my kids' lives. And I'm like, what did they do this day? What are they going to eat tomorrow? What are they going to do next week, next month? Once I finish planning their life, of course I plan my husband's life because he's hopeless. And I'm like, I think about him, what he did, what he's going to do the next day, next year. And then once I finish planning his life, then I begin to plan my dog's life. My little puppy, Bonnie, little Cavuto. And then I think and think, and once I finish planning everybody else's life, then I begin to think. I'm going to fall asleep. <laughs> Isn't that a good one? I'm going to close my eyes. What position I'm going to take in a pillow. You know, and I think I'm going to relax my body. What dreams I'm going to dream. Why? Because I'm an overthinker, multi-thinker, whatever you want to call it. And in fact, just a few months ago, I went to have a massage. Did anyone like the massage? Does anyone like massages here? Did I force someone to do something they hate? Sorry. I know there's probably a few people like I hate massage, but I love massage. 
You know, in fact, I love Thai massage. The Thai massage. And I remember I had a really crazy week and I thought, I'm going to go and get a massage. So I went to this beautiful Thai place and I um, went there. I was so excited to get this massage. So I laid on the bed, you know, the little bed with a hole in the front for your head. So I put my head there and I'm like, this is heaven. You know, it's going to be awesome. And then, you know, the lady, she started pouring the coconut oils on my bare skin. No shame there, Bonnie. And she was like rubbing the coconut oils on my skin under the oriental instrumental Thai music. Anyone, if you've been to a Thai place, you know what I'm talking about. Like, trin, 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 trin. Trin, 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 trin. The flutes, trin, 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 trin. And I'm there thinking, this is it, people. I'm going to just melt and go in heaven, enjoy my massage. And everything was going great. You know, she was putting the right pressure, rubbing the right spots, whatever they do. But then five minutes into my heavenly massage, the masseuse lady, she sneezed. Come on. And I'm like, okay, don't overthink it, Katie. She's maybe allergic to Bulgarians. But then, a few seconds later, she sneezed again and again. And then I felt the saliva droplets landing on my bare skin back. And this is when I lost it, people. My mind went in overdrive. I was not just multi-thinking. I was multi-freaking out. I'm like, what if she's sick? What if she's got COVID? What if she's got the monkey pox? What if my kids get it? And then we're going to be in isolation. And my mind's gone absolutely mental. What was supposed to be enjoyable? What was supposed to be relaxing? It turned out to be the most stressful time I could ever have. And I remember I was sitting there thinking and just like regretting. I'm like, I paid so much money for this. And then I thought, okay, Katie, think about. Think about what you're thinking. Think about your thoughts. You've got two options. Either just, you know, sit, think and walk out and hate this massage. Or just arrest your thoughts. Think about your thoughts. And enjoy the next 45 minutes of the massage that you've paid for. You know, I did just the second option, praise the Lord, because I hate losing money. Anybody here? <laughs> but you know, girls, if we want to step into our calling and be who God has designed us to be, the women that God has designed us to be, the first thing we need to do is think about your thoughts. Think about your thoughts. You know, the thinking is the way you talk to yourself. Thinking is the way you talk to yourself. I mean, think about it. Would you let other people talk to you the same way you talk to yourself? How would you feel if other people talk to you the same way you talk to yourself through thinking? Think about your thoughts. Why? Because, you know, our thoughts, they can lead us into stagnation, frustration, temptation, depression, and even illness. I mean, that's serious, people. Think about your thoughts. And I'm going to ask you a question. Are your thoughts positive? Are your thoughts healthy? Are your thoughts pure? Are your thoughts godly? Are your thoughts worth to be thinking about? 
Would you let your thoughts control your life? Or would you control your thoughts? You know, the Bible says in Philippians 4, 8, it says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, think about those things. Come on, somebody, think about those things. Do your thoughts bring joy, peace, result, comfort? Or do they bring confusion, worry, stress, fear, or hurt? What are the thoughts that you entertain? You know, in the Bible, there is a story about Jonah. A lot of us are familiar with Jonah. Read that story in Bible schools. Thank you for the two people. You know, and Jonah, you know, he was one of the 12 prophets in the Bible. You know, he was one of the 12 prophets, but it says that he was one of the prophets that actually disobeyed God. He didn't do what God asked him to do, which was quite of a big deal in Bible times because if you were a prophet, you had one mission. Come on, somebody. If you were a prophet, you had one mission to hear from God and do what he says. But here the Bible says something very confronting and confusing. Here we have one of the 12 prophets in the Bible, Jonah, who had one mission to deliver. But the Bible says that he disobeyed God. In fact, if we read a bit of the story, it says it's Jonah 1. The word of God came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah, somebody say, but Jonah. He ran away. He ran away from the one mission he had. He ran away from the Lord and he headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. I mean, here we have Jonah. You know, the Bible says, who ran away. He tried to run away. Not only that, but he actually ran in the opposite direction. You see, Tarshish was opposite to Nineveh. He's like, I'm not going to just run away. I'm just going to run away in the opposite direction as far as I can go. Isn't that crazy? And then he says that he boarded this boat. He went in that boat. And on the boat, something crazy happened. Big storm came out of nowhere. You know, it was a very crazy situation, scary the men in the boat realized that something's wrong. They blamed Jonah for the storm. And they threw Jonah overboard in the cold waters, in the, you know, crazy waters in that storm. But what happens next is quite exciting, incredible, unbelievable. Let's put it this way. The Bible says that God sent a huge fish, you know, a huge fish to prevent him from drowning. And that fish swallows Jonah and then he stays in the mouth, in the belly of that fish for three days. I mean, how crazy is this? And while in that fish's belly, the Bible says, he prayed, he repented, he praised God. And after three days, the fish threw up Jonah onto the shores of Nineveh, where he preached and warned the people to repent. I mean, how crazy. And all those crazy events would have been avoided if he just did the right thing. If he just did the right thing. But the Bible says that Jonah, but Jonah, he thought that he could run away. He thought that he could hide. You know, girls, our thoughts often, they can misplace us. They can displace us like Jonah. 
they can distance us away from God's plans and purposes for our lives. They can completely take us away from the right direction we're meant to go. But Jonah, he thought, he thought, and I wonder what are your thoughts right now? What are you thinking? What are your thoughts for your life? What are your thoughts for tomorrow? What are your thoughts for today? What are your thoughts for, you know, even your calling? What are you thinking right now? Think about your thoughts. Think about them. Meditate on them. Maybe there are people here today that you need to actually take some of those thoughts captive. You need to arrest them. You need to think about them. You know, 11 years ago, I was actually, um, I was actually uh, diagnosed with a PTSD. Hope I said it right. It's called a post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's pretty horrible disorder. It's a mental health disorder. And I got diagnosed after the death of our second child. You know, my body went on overdrive. My thoughts were going absolutely crazy. And I got diagnosed with this disorder. And I remember it was getting quite severe to a point when, where I had to actually go to a mental hospital. You know, I just want to mention today, this morning, I'm not crazy anymore. In case you're thinking, why is she preaching to us? You know? <laughs> but I remember, you know... Um, 11 years ago, that day, I remember so clearly, I was in that hospital bed. The very first night when I was hospitalized. And I was thinking to myself, great, Katie, you're one of those crazy people now. Couldn't believe that I'm in mental hospital. And I was thinking, great, you're one of them. In my head, mental hospitals, they were like full of old people, crazy people. That they just uh, see things and say things that are crazy and run around naked. True story. There was actually one person that she did that. She did run around naked and maybe it was uh, Bron. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I need some water. I'll never get invited. And I remember, I was so shocked the very next day when I went to all the group. We had group sessions and I was so shocked to see so many young people in the mental health hospital. Couldn't believe it then. And I remember I had a conversation with the head of psychiatry. He came to me to check on me and, and he said to me, because he knew my story and he knew exactly why I was there. And he said, he said, Clementina, he said, you need to realize that, you know, like 80 or 70 or 80% of our patients, they're actually children under the, under the age of 18. Because he said, the children's ward is so overly crowded that we had to admit them here because they had nowhere to go. You know, it was something that really just um, surprised me. And I remember looking at all these young people who seemed so normal, who seemed so incredible, healthy. You could not even think that there is something wrong with them. But yet, their thinking was so messed up. Their thoughts were so messed up. I will never forget Mary from Bed 12. You see, Mary, she was a beautiful, tall, skinny girl. See, Mary, she battled anorexia because she thought that she was fat. Then I'll never forget little Carrie from bed 14. She was a 16-year-old young girl who was an incredible dancer. She was quite a successful dancer. You see, and Carrie looked like she's had it all together. You see, Carrie, she thought that she had nothing worth living for. 
And the most surprising, most shocking out of all was Megumi from Japan. You know, I remember walking in one of those sessions one afternoon and here Megumi was sitting in the middle of that session and I looked at this girl and I'm like, man, this girl looks like Miss Universe. True story. She was this like really tall, absolutely drop-dead gorgeous, we'll call it, woman, like incredible. And I looked at her and I'm like, why is she here? It kind of made me feel good because I'm like, if Miss Universe is here, we okay, people. We all right. It's all going to be good. We're not that crazy, hopefully. And I was looking at Megumi and I thought, I'm going to go and talk to Megumi. Didn't know her name. And I'm, I want to meet this girl and I want to find her story. So after the session, I went to her and I said, hi, my name is Keri. What's your name? And she told me her name. And then she looked at me. She said to me, Keri. I'm like, yeah. She's like, tell me, tell me. I'm like, what? She's like, How's my face? And I'm like, your face is beautiful. She's like, no, 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 really, tell me. Is my face okay? How's my nose? Is my nose there? And I'm like, man, you've got the most perfect nose, the most beautiful face. And then she started pointing at people. They told, me, told you to tell me, didn't they? They told you to tell me that. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, I want to know. And then I'm like, no, no, no. I said, you've got the most beautiful face and look at you. And she's like, no, 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 no. This is not true. This is not true. And then she proceeded to explain that she had a plastic surgery. And after that plastic surgery, Megumi believed that her face was completely ruined. She believed that her nose was completely ruined. I mean, I looked at this woman, I'm like, maybe that plastic surgery worked. But I was so shocked. I could not believe what I was seeing and what I was hearing. You see, in her mind, she has formed a complete distorted perception of her image. Because of her thoughts, unhealthy and real and true thoughts, she believed something that was completely untrue. But you know, here's my thing, girls. In our thoughts, we can be our biggest enemies. Often our thoughts can be so destructive and they can make us believe things that are not true about ourselves. They can make us believe things that are not real. But did you know that the Bible says that sin begins in our mind? Sin begins as a thought. And the enemy's prime purpose is to attack your thoughts. Paul in Ephesians 6:12 says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spirit forces of evil. And then in verse 13, he urges us to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against the devil's schemes. But listen to this. The Bible doesn't just talk about the armor of God, the belt, the shield, the breastplate. But in verse 17, it says that we need to put on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. And what is a helmet? My dictionary says that a helmet is a form of protective gear worn to protect the head. More specifically, a helmet complements the skull in protecting the human brain. I mean, is this, isn't this powerful? And then, you know, when a soldier in Bible times was dressed for a battle, the helmet was the last piece that a soldier would put on. It was the final act of readiness in preparation for the battle. You see, helmet was vital, protecting the brain. If the head was badly damaged, the rest of the armor would have been of no use. Isn't that amazing? See, what Paul is saying here is that as we put the helmet of salvation What we're doing, we are protecting our mind. We are protecting our heads, protecting our thoughts. See, the enemy, he will always try first to attack your thoughts. 
He will always try first to attack your thoughts. I mean, we just read the story about um, Adam and Eve in the previous session. You know, but the Bible says that when the enemy appeared in front of Adam and Eve in the garden, he said to them in Genesis, he said to them, um, th- uh, 3 verse 1, he said, did God really say, did God really say, come on somebody, he tried to mess up with their thoughts. Did God really say that you should not eat from the tree in the garden? I mean, think about it. Think about it. Did God really say? And you see, the enemy will do exactly the same now. He will come and he will whisper lies in your head. Why? Because the Bible says that he is the father of lies. All he does is whisper lies, whisper things that are not true. And often he will come to you and he will say things like, did God really say that you should actually get involved in church? Come on, somebody. Did God really say that you're going to get married at the age of 65? Come on. Did God really say that you will have a child when the doctor is saying otherwise? Or did God really say that your tumors are going to shrink, that your cancer will be healed, or that autoimmune condition will disappear in the name of Jesus? Did God really say that you with an accent are going to preach to a lot of women and they will understand you? Did God really say, come on, but did God really say he will come and whisper lie after life? Lie after lie. Lie after lie. Why? Because he's the father of lies. Did God really say? But you know, girls, when we take on that helmet of salvation, when we put it on, the Bible says that our minds are protected. That our minds are protected. In other words, as soon as you put on that helmet of salvation, you're saying, you know, devil, you can say whatever you want. You can try and mess up with my thoughts, with my brain, but you're not going to achieve because my brain, my head is protected. My head is protected with the word of God. It is protected with his blessings, protected with his promises. The Bible says whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is admirable, I'm going to think about those things. And it says that no weapon formed against me shall what? Prosper. You cannot touch my brain. You cannot touch my head. You cannot mess up my thoughts. Because my head is protected. My head is protected. Somebody here, you need to put that helmet. You need to put it when you wake up in the morning. Put on that helmet. Don't believe those lies from the enemy. Don't believe what the enemy is whispering. Somebody here, when you go and check on that social media, Stories that it feels like everybody else is living better life than yours. Feels like everybody else got it all together, but your life sucks. You need to put the helmet of protection. Stop comparing and start celebrating who God has designed you to do. Stop comparing and start living your life. Start living your inner calling, your new purpose. 
in your grace zone, in your blessing, in His favour. You know, the Bible is full of promises. And those promises are not just for the few elected, selected, godly, perfect Christians. We said they don't exist. Those promises are available for every single person. They are the same for me as they are the same for you, for the person next to you, for the person behind you. Stop comparing. Stop listening from the lies of the enemy. But start believing His Word. Start declaring those promises. Start speaking those blessings over your life, over your family, over your children, over your husband. Come on, somebody. Are we excited that we've got promises that are written individually for every single person? Every single person. Think about your thoughts. And I'm going to ask, where's my praise and worship team? Love it. To come. Think about your thoughts. And the second, the second thought this morning is make room for God in your thoughts. Make room for His blessings in your thoughts. Make room for His will for your life in your thoughts. Make room for His promises in your thoughts. Make room. You know, sometimes we get so preoccupied in our thoughts and we have millions of them that we forget to make room for our Creator who has got more creative thoughts than we do. He's got more better thoughts than we do. You know, the Bible says that His thoughts are different to our thoughts. His ways are different to our ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, declares the Lord. You know, and if you go back to the story of Jonah, the Bible says, while Jonah was inside of the fish, In chapter 2, verse 1, it says that while he was inside of the fish, he prayed. While he, he was inside of the fish, he prayed to God. He prayed. You know, it would have been a very dark, scary place. It would have been a very terrible place to be. I mean, Jonah's life went from bad to worse. He tried to run away in the opposite direction. And how often we do the same. He tried to as far as possible from God, from His Word, from His command, from what God instructed him to do. Because he thought that this was the way to do things. He wanted to do things on his own. But what happened? Things went from bad to worse, the Bible says. He ran. He went in a boat and there was a huge storm. And I wonder why right now some of you are feeling like you're in a storm. Maybe you need to come back to your Creator. Come back to Him. Not only that, but He was in a dark place, in a scary place, in a terrible place. How do I know this? Because I read the news, people. I read the news and listened to this a year ago. There was a real story about a man who was swollen by a humpback whale. True story. And his name was Michael Packard. You can Google him. The interesting thing is that he was swallowed by a humpback whale. And he said that while he was inside of that fish, some people are Googling right now, great. Not right now, after, I'll give you the name if you need. He said, I was completely inside. Those are his words. He says, I was completely inside of the humpback whale. Ta-da, this is crazy. And then he says, it was completely black. I thought to myself, there is no way 
I'm getting out of here. I'm done. I'm dead. It's scary. It's dark. How crazy is this? And here we have Jonah who is inside of a scary, dark, impossible place. And right now some of you feel the same. Maybe you find yourself in a place where it's dark, where it's scary, and feels like there is no way out, that you will not come out, that you're not going to make it, that you're not going to beat it, that you won't have it. And you feel like this is it. I'm done. I'm dead. But what did Jonah do? While he was in the belly of that fish, the Bible says, he prayed, he prayed, he prayed, he praised, he repented, and then he prayed more, and he prayed because he knew that he had to make room for God. He had to make room for God in his life. And right now, whatever situation you're facing, whatever impossible challenge you're facing, can I encourage you not to give up, but keep praying, keep believing, keep seeking His will. You know, I remember, and I promise that I'm going to share this story with you guys to try to be quick. I'm never quick. So slow. Just help me. But you know, the reason I came to Australia to study in Bible college was because we faced a lot of persecution. My dad was the head of AOG churches in Bulgaria, and he actually pastored during communism. He was trained to be an Orthodox priest. And in Bulgaria, the main religion is Orthodox churches. Every other religion back in the day was considered as illegal church, sect, cult, whatever you name it. We've heard it all. And, you know, he felt called to actually be a pastor, which was quite controversial to what he studied and what he was trained to be. And he started pastoring a church and a few years later. He actually became the head of the LG churches in Bulgaria. He grew the churches from 33 to 487 churches, which is pretty amazing. Actually, no, this is incorrect from 33 to over 500 and something. So he established 587 churches. Sounds amazing, sounds incredible, but we faced a lot of persecution. In fact, there were a lot of scary things we had um, that happened to us. And, you know, the government will always try to threaten us and we received a lot of threats and armed robberies, you name it. We've seen crazy stuff happen in our churches and we had to be illegal for many years, hide at churches underground, and we've seen the biggest revival, by the way. Hide Bibles, couldn't have Bibles. And yesterday, can you believe we all got a Bible? And I got teary because I still get teary when I have a Bible given up, given for free. You know, a lot of people still don't have Bibles. It's a luxury. And I remember we went through so much persecution to a point where my little brother got kidnapped, not once but twice. The second time he was kidnapped, I was at home and it was pretty, pretty intense. And the truth is that there were over 40 performance workers that were working with the organization that kidnapped my brother. And I remember listening to some of the conversations and negotiations, telling my dad that he needs to quit being a pastor, that he needs to quit, you know, being a Christian in order for them to stop. So we're going to keep going because we don't want you to do what you're doing. And it was a pretty, pretty crazy day. And obviously the performers, they wanted some sort of a ransom. So uh, the first time we didn't involve the police, but the second time we thought we're going to involve the police because this was pretty full on. So we rang the police and the secret police came to our house. It was around 40 police cars in our area. And the deal was that 
my dad, that night he will go and put a ransom at 12 o'clock midnight in an electrical box. He will go home and wait for the kidnappers to release my brother. And this was around 24 hours worth of negotiations. So at 12 o'clock midnight, my dad went. You know, he put whatever he needed to put, came home. You know, but as he was coming home, we could hear sirens. We could hear gunshots. I mean, all of the police cars, they were undercover in front of our area, in front of our house. They all started just, you know, driving off and there were sirens going and, you know, and we were sitting at home and I remember the kidnappers told my dad, if you involve the police, you will never see your son again. You know, and we found out they've done this before to other people. And I remember we were at home in our house. We had, you know, around 20 people, prayer warriors from our church. We invited them to come and pray with us in our living room. We were sitting there and we were praying. And, and at that moment, you know, we, um, we all started crying because my brother didn't come home. An hour later, he didn't come home. And the police rang us and they basically said, you know, you have to be prepared for the worst. You know, we're very sorry, but our operation was unsuccessful. And I remember sitting there with my mom and all these 20 people and we cried and prayed and, and it was very sad. But a few moments later, my mom, who is this old school Pentecostal lady, she got up and she said, enough. She's like, stop crying. And we're like, oh. Then she said, stop crying. And then listen to what she said. She said, stop thinking the worst. Stop thinking that he's dead. And we're like, okay. It's like right now, what we're going to do, we're actually going to put some praise music and we're going to celebrate. We're going to praise Jesus. Stop thinking the worst. She got up. And my mom, who is a bit of a conservative lady, you know, she would just clap in a very conservative way. She began to dance and jump. She put a bit of wrong cannoli. And all of us, at 3 a.m. in the morning, we had a party celebration time to a point when the secret police rang us and said, what's going on? Are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? Your son is lying somewhere, probably dead. And you're having a party. You're celebrating. You're making so much noise. They're like, are you crazy? But you know, friends, when you make room for God in your life, people will think that you're crazy. People will think that you've lost your mind. People will think that you are absolutely a nutcase. But I will tell you, when you make room for God in your life, all of a sudden, chains will begin to break. Walls will begin to collapse. All of a sudden, you will see breakthroughs. You will see miracles. You will see the answers to your prayers. You know, just around 30 minutes later, we got a knock on our door and my brother came back alive, untouched. And the crazy thing was that none of the 40 police cars undercover saw him coming home. And the craziest thing is that he told us that just like a half an hour ago, while we were having a praise party in the house, he said, I was tied up to a chair. You know, and I was so scared for my life because there were gunshots everywhere and they said they're going to kill me. He said, but I heard a voice and the voice said to me, free yourself and run. 
And he said, you're not going to believe this. Somehow, superpowers came on me and I broke off the ropes and said, and I began to run and I ran and ran and ran and no one caught me. No one ran behind me. I mean, how crazy is this? How amazing is our God? But when you make room for God in your life, you will see miracles, you will see breakthroughs. It may not make any sense. It may not make you know, sense to anybody else. But when you make room for God in your life, things will begin to happen. Opportunities will come your way. Miracles will begin to happen. The Bible says that no eyes have seen, no ears have heard, no mind has conceived. Come on, somebody. No mind has conceived what the Lord has prepared for those who love Him. What the Lord has prepared for those who love Him. See, when you make room for God in your life, all of a sudden, your thoughts will align with His thoughts. All of a sudden, your thoughts will align with His promises. All of a sudden, they will align with His Word. And all of a sudden, you see yourself different. You have a fresh revelation of who you are. And I'm going to ask you a final question tonight, today, this morning. Are you ready? Are you ready to hear this? And I want you honestly to answer you ready? Who do you think you are? Come on. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Come on. Who do you think you are? Yes, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are. There are voices that you need to erase right now. It's not what your family thinks about you. It's not what your friends think about you. It's not what anybody thinks about you, your, your teacher, your boss. But right now, who do you think you are? Come on. Who do you think you are? Erase some thoughts. Replace some thoughts. Get it in your spirit. Get it in your bones. Get it in your mind. Who do you think you are? I'm going to say it last time. Who do you think you are? Well, let me tell you who the Bible says that I am. The Bible says that I'm a child of God. Come on. That I'm loved. That I'm accepted. I am Jesus' friend. I'm enjoying here with Jesus. I'm united with God. I'm a temple of God. I'm a member of Christ's body. Come on. I'm redeemed. I'm chosen, holy, established, anointed, sealed by God. I don't have fear, but I have love, power. I can always know His presence because He never leaves me. I can ask God for wisdom. He will give me what I need. And listen to this, and I will praise Him. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com 
www.ngbc.au. And thanks again for listening.